0: Hello and welcome to The Book Album, your place for everything related to reading and language. I'm your host, Mackenzie Gents. Now, bookmark that book, and let's begin. Hello, hello, and welcome to the show. Hello and herzlich willkommen zu unserem podcast. Well, today we are talking about fountain pens, <laughs> and fountain pens have been a hobby of mine four years now, six or seven years, ever since I was in late high school and I got my first fountain pen. However, I've always had a knack for pens and paper. I've always been very, very particular even when I was a young, young kid in school and I hope to share a little bit of that passion with you all today. So as I said, I was always very particular about pens and paper. I would always ask my mom when I was in school to get me a certain type of pen, a certain type of mechanical pencil, a certain type of paper. And when I did my bachelor's degree in music, I had a specific pencil that I would use for rehearsals and I used these exclusively all four years. When I got into late high school and I started thinking about what I wanted to upgrade when I went to college, I decided, why not happenstantially buy a fountain pen? And my first fountain pen I got at just a chain bookstore off the rack. It was a medium nib Lamy all-star pen and they were having a collaboration with this said bookstore at the time My mother graciously agreed, it was a $20 pen somewhere in there at the time and um, it was such a nice gift of her to say in the moment, oh my gosh, okay, I'll get you this pen. Um, I had some just normal cartridges to go along with the pen, so these are the one-time use disposable cartridges. I started using the pen at school when I was doing my homework on tests and I just fell in love with it. I still have this pen and I still use it daily to this day. Um, I'm pulling it out. It's uh, very, very crusty and there's just so much wrong with it at this point because uh, I've written probably close to a hundred thousand words with this pen, if you can believe it. Like pages of notebooks or like not even pages full notebooks with this pen uh, since uh, seven years ago when I started writing with it um, and since then I have two of these same pen because this one is too uh, the cap is too loose to take it out anymore so now I have the sort of newer uh, same version of this pen where the cap is stable <laughs> Um, but that can just show you and exemplify um, where that passion for pens started and what um, what developments I've had since then. <laughs> <laughs> so the first Lamy pen that I got, not quickly, but over the next three or four years, developed into a passion for other fountain pens and the fountain pen lifestyle as well. Fountain pens are a very addicting hobby um, If for those of you who understand the community around it. Uh, it's not only about the writing experience, uh, a pen that is $20 can offer a similar writing experience to a pen that's much, much more expensive in the hundreds or even thousands of dollars. It depends on the nib, it depends on what you are looking for out of a pen, right? There's a big difference between like steel nibs and gold nibs, for example um but in terms of the co- sort of additive quality of fountain pen collecting or fountain pen as fountain pens as a hobby it really does expand out from itself so when i got my first fountain pen i loved it i exclusively used it and then came the point my freshman year of college when i thought it would be really interesting if i could have two colors <laughs> for a fountain pen, because I literally would carry one pen around, this Lamy pen that I still have, that's, uh, I completely destroyed it. It was my fault, I was fiddling with it one time in class, my senior year of college, and totally broke some of the plastic off. Um, But yeah, I sort of was, found this desire and also strategic need to have a second color, so I got my second fountain pen. Um, which was the same pen actually, but in a sort of graphite gray kind of color. This pen I no longer have because I thought the nib was way way too stiff for my writing style. I got a, a steel nib as well in medium, but it was way, way too stiff when I was trying to write with it. I ended up gifting that pen, which is something we'll talk about in a minute. But all of this to say is that fountain pens have become a huge staple of mine. Out of all of the hobbies that I have, you know, podcasting, reading, pens, these are the big three um, that have stayed with me throughout my life. And of course, I suppose music is now a part of those big hobbies, but music is kind of different now. Even though I'm not studying it anymore, I still play it quite a lot. So uh, it's sort of a semi-professional gig for me still. And the reason why we're going into pens on this podcast today is actually because I had a huge row of episodes a couple of years ago that were reading adjacent, I'll call them. So I did um, an episode at the very beginning. Like, if you go to episodes like 1 through a 100 on the back catalog at Relevance of Literature, then you'll go and you'll see like the very first hundred episodes, a lot of those are not book dedicated, but rather like other things dedicated. So I did a book early or uh, episode early on about how many books are there in the world, Um, which is now like even more complicated than it was back then because of e-readers and stuff like that, because books are essentially infinite now. But I did an episode about how many paper books there are in the world. I did an episode on paper. Um, I did an episode uh, a couple years ago, more recently about phonetics and speech uh, reading technology. Um, Just a lot of like kind of reading adjacent episodes is the best way I can describe it. And. I really always enjoy these kind of episodes because it's a big breath of fresh air from not uh, doing Patreon stuff from not, which is more like personal talking about different experiences with different books or different reading activities. And then doing a podcast classic, which is like books, books, books all the time. And that, which I love by the way, but also every single week all year can get monotonous without a break. And then, you know, PTA stuff with the Bible and other religious texts, and I find these episodes just fun because they don't occur as often as any of the others that I just mentioned. The first thing that came to my mind after this little introduction when I was writing my personal outline and my notes for this episode was how... Minimalism and the fact that I am a minimalist fits into this aspect of collection and this aspect of hobby uh, about fountain pens. And I would say that, like my book um, hobby and my book collection, um, I have a lot of very like strict rules that I've developed over time to keep the collection in check. <laughs> and so. Um, I have a lot of members of my family, for example, who love to collect things, whether it's, you know, knickknacks or trots or whatever, um, they collect, um, it's meaningful to them. And I completely understand and empathize with that. And I'm kind of similar in that way. However, because I'm a minimalist, because, freedom and movement is so important to me, right? I like to be able to move wherever I need to in the world with just a suitcase, you know? Um, I'm not somebody at this point who can support a collection, nor do I need a big collection of something. I'm just one person. I am out a lot, you know? So if I had like 20 fountain pens, I'm not sure that I would ever use more than one or two of them. So I've had a couple of minutes to brainstorm some ways to keep the collection under control and to talk about my experience with fountain pens and that like addictive additive quality about them. And they are as follows. So the first resource I'm going to recommend is an episode of the Minimalists podcast that they did recently on hobby clutter. This was an episode recommended to me by a friend, and I haven't listened to the entire episode, but even the little snippets that I've listened to have been extremely helpful to ground me and to kind of spark that conversation in me once again of how much actually do I need when it comes to my hobbies and supporting the creativity and the different aspects that I get out of those hobbies. So that is all linked in the show notes for this episode, relevanceofliterature.com slash notes for this episode. And I'll say that I have, with as with a lot of things, as with books, there's a set number of books or pens in this case that I allow myself to have, um, which I know it sounds terrible, but it's actually quite nice. So I only am allowed myself to have six fountain pens in my collection at any one time. Um, And for a lot of people I know that sounds kind of abrasive, like I'm preventing myself from enjoying more pens, but actually this is quite strategic. If you think about it, I move to different like countries with only one carry-on and that's what all my clothes plus all my uh, extra stuff fit in. Obviously I have my instruments and that's another like, you know, deal. I have to carry those separately, but In terms of like all my like notebooks and whatever, those fit in a carry-on. My book collection is at home in Arizona, um, in the care of my lovely parent, and so um, you know the book collection is also separate from that. But basically, everything that I live with on a daily basis that's not uh, the books or my instrument, I carry in a carry-on. So what I'm actually doing is having this physical constraint to help me figure out, okay, I have a very limited space (laughs) in my carry-on suitcase. How many pens can I support with that? Um, And that number has, over years of experience, boiled down to six pens. If I have any more pens than that, I find myself overwhelmed. Like, I won't be able to, like, transport or use them anymore. There are also... They're not hard to store, but they can be hard to transport, especially if they're inked up. I don't want them leaking anywhere. Sometimes uh, they have been known to leak. For me, I'm not sure if this is like something that I have done with my pens or if I um, am not storing them properly while I'm traveling. But uh, there have been some pens that are notorious for leaking on flights, um, which is like very rare, by the way. So don't be afraid (laughs) if you are... uh, thinking about getting some fountain pens. So six pens is my self-imposed limit. I only ink up, so I only use and put ink in four pens at a time. This is just, I don't have the capacity to use six pens every day. I will say when I have four pens inked up, I use all of them every day. Um, some people, I know a couple of friends in the fountain pen community who have two pens that they consistently use or even three Um, I just like to have different colors and things at my disposal so I use four so I have a kind of rotation going on of four pens and then every time a pen runs out of ink I reevaluate and decide whether or not to kick it out of the rotation for a week or two (laughs) until the next pen runs out of ink I also have very different pens in my collection, which has been really helpful for a lot of the, like, journaling endeavors or, like, study sheet endeavors that I have. Um, I'm the kind of person who loves to make whatever, like, to-do list I'm working out of or what have you really beautiful and really artistic, and so I have, for example, um, some really broad nibbed fountain fountain pens, so, like, really thick nibs, (laughs) really thick uh, writing contact with the paper um that have very very strong uh wide lines on the paper when um I write with them and I have some that are more narrow some that are right in the middle like my Lamy fountain pens so it's just kind of like a big mix and I find that also quite helpful and it helps me keep down the number of fountain pens because I don't have that many duplicates anymore my rule for ink. This is a very tough. <laughs> this is a very, very tough um, thing for me. I love different inks. Um, I think even more than fountain pens, inks are very accessible to me. One year, I remember I got an ink uh, advent calendar, <laughs> and it was the. It was a joy. It was such a joy. Um, and you know, there's so many different types and qualities of ink. There's ink that's like super, like thin, watery. There's ink that's hyper pigmented. There's ink with glitter in it. There's ink with sheen or like uh, color changing qualities. There's glow in the dark ink. <laughs> you know, there's just a ton of different fountain pen inks. Um, you should be getting water based ink, just like you know, <laughs> sliding a small tip in there, because. Um, oil and other type of based ink um will get your fountain pen completely gross and ruin all the mechanisms in it. Um but yeah I love to explore different inks. That's like one of my favorite things. Um I just got a special ink as a gift from a friend from Robert Oster who I think hand makes all of the inks um from Australia and they're just, they're wonderful inks. Uh, I have had the opportunity with this bottle to work with them for the first time, and they are uh, just so consistent and lovely in the shading and color. Um, I use a lot of, like, standard inks as well. Like, um, I use a lot of, like, Lamy, just, like, crystal inks or the Lamy standard ones. I love the Lamy blue. I know that's, like, in some circles, that's a hot take, but I love the just like standalone blue that they have um, that they often will use to test all the pens. But I digress. My rule for inks, even though I love them, even though they are in some ways like more collectible to me than the pens themselves, uh, also in terms of price point, my rule is one ink per pen maximum. So. For example, here in Germany, I have 5 fountain pens. I my 6th one I'm lending to somebody at the moment, but my 5 here and so I have 5 inks. <laughs> and I'm not allowed to buy any replacements of anything like in my life, but also with pens, unless it's like completely broken or used up. So I won't be buying any new fountain pen inks until the ink One of them, at least, is used up, so if I finish an ink bottle, then um, another one might be in my future. Same with fountain pens. I'll talk at the end of the episode about a possible replacement for my poor, uh, broken first fountain pen, but that is my general rule. I have a lot of regifting that goes on with my uh fountain pens and also inks that I use once and I decide don't work for me because maybe they're uh they bleed through my paper too much or they don't work with my paper. Um and I think that's a good thing. I find that a good thing. Um as long as the you know, I kind of give a lot of things freely in my life and I find that, you know, even with books, for example, re-gifting books is an awesome way to say, hey, this is something really personal that I gained a lot of use out of or information from, um, especially with fountain pens. I get so much use out of all of my fountain pens. So the black, uh, graphite gray type of fountain pen that I had as my second one that I ever had, I re-gifted to a friend who uses it probably just as much as I use my uh, first fountain pen that I ever got. So um, I love regifting. I think it's a way that um, I can share my passion with people who might also take interest. And um, it's also a way to not have so much excess, especially with something like fountain pens, when there are, there's always new pens coming out. There's always, you know, different things. And I'm not somebody who buys uh things in general, again, but also fountain pens very often, I do a lot of research before uh, figuring out the next step. And I also have to figure out, okay, if I get a new fountain pen, who am I going to uh, lend this one to or give it to? Or what am I? uh, How am I going to repurpose it, for example? Let's talk about why the writing experience matters. So first of all, the tactile nature of fountain pens is something that appeals to me so much. It might be also similar like to music, like playing an instrument is a very tactile bodily experience, and writing with a fountain pen is similar. So when I'm in class, there's a huge difference to me between writing my notes on a computer you know, I'm just kind of, I can go a lot faster. That's one of the advantages. But if I'm writing on a fountain pen, there's a lot of like focused energy and concentration that goes into writing with it. Um, And there's that beautiful, like almost sound that happens when you put pen to paper. Um, I'll try to demonstrate this. I'm hoping that this won't go into the realm of ASMR, but it might. (laughs) But if you have a fountain pen... I don't know if you can hear that, but that's kind of the sound that happens in a less loud sense when you're writing with it. I find that lovely. I found it um, at first to be something that really connected me to the moment when I was in class or when I was writing other notes or, you know, in meetings with people. Um, Nowadays, I just find it very comforting. So, you know, it does ground me to the moment in a sense still, but Because I've been using them so long, it's just so familiar and so comforting to have that tactile sensation on paper. Another reason why the writing experience matters, at least to me, is the history behind it. If you think about it, fountain pens have been used for a really, really long time, hundreds of years. There's a history as to their development, there's a history as to the different styles and sizes and lengths of the different pens, the nib shapes and styles. There's a very uh, poignant distinction, for example, between Japanese and European slash German nibs. Um, for example, the Japanese nibs go like way smaller than the German mids nibs, so they're way finer. They write with really fine uh, delicate lines, whereas the smallest or thinnest German nib is a little bit thicker than that. So there's a ton of just like rich history behind not only the development of the pens themselves but also the people who have used them um, throughout history. There's just a ton of information besides that on like modern fountain pen use, the modern hobby, all the different brands and the different companies behind them. Like the fountain pen world is like small and big. (laughs) Like there's, you know, a ton of people involved and stuff. There's like, you know, people on the level of the manufacturing and people who are, you know, designing the pens who are working on the more like HR side of the pens, but there are also people who are just um, hobbyists and enthusiasts like I am and there's just so much information um, at every step of the process about these fountain pens. That's something that I really love about fountain pens as a hobby is that you can really get into all steps of the pen creation and manufacturing process and you can really like get into the nitty-gritty and like learn a lot about the different uh, stages of making the fountain pen, it's kind of like tea. I would say tea has been another like long-term hobby of mine that's very similar in that way. You can get to um, the information of like where that farm that your tea comes from is, uh, and the different processes and histories of that particular landscape um, and the people who have cultivated it over time. And that's something that I just find so wonderful and fascinating um, is the like level of transparency almost that you can get about the entire process and also like the level of connection and dedication that people at each step of the process have for it. One of the other things um, about the writing experience that I find quite touching is how personal it is. So if you think about, I'm not sure the last time you wrote a letter, I love to write letters. Um, But when you write, you know, just type an email, there's kind of this depersonal detachment. As an example, when you write an email, the person who reads the email is seeing your final draft. They're seeing the most elegant, like, put together version of that email. Even if you started the email writing like, hey dude, and it ends up, dear sir. There's a huge difference that uh, comes across in the email and you only get to see as the recipient that final message or those final words that the person put together. Here, however, um, it's sort of that that beautiful imperfection that comes across sometimes where you know the letters aren't always like completely consistent on the page or there's a little like ink smear every once in a while. For me, I'm uh, terrible at that Sometimes that my hand will just, mark up that page. But um, there's just this like beautiful quality of personal um, imperfection that comes across. And, you know, maybe that's not always wanted. Like if I'm writing a letter to my boss, maybe not. (laughs) But especially when it comes to writing to friends and family, I find that to be such a personal, beautiful touch um, when you're writing with a fountain pen as opposed to just writing an email. And the last thing is the community. The community... Behind fountain pens is amazing. There's like fountain pen conventions, there's YouTubers like the Goulet Pen uh, YouTube channel, and also their website. Like, that's an extremely great resource. Uh, I'm not in contact with them, this is just my own personal opinion, and I'll link them in the show notes as well for this episode. But there's just so many great resources, people in the pen community who are posting on all the, all the social medias about it, people who are just sharing in their love for this art and this hobby. So I'm going to end the episode by talking a little bit about my own personal pen aspirations for now, and then talking about how you all can get started with fountain pens. So my pen aspirations, I'm going to start off by pretty much talking about the medium length future like I'll talk about one like holy grail pen like the pen that I really would love to have um, as an heirloom sort of pen in the future Um, but I'm keeping this very short-term mid-term goals like within the next three years or less so one very obvious pen aspiration is that I want to keep my collection at six pens or less. And that's just simply because the amount of movement that I'm going to be undergoing in the next few years is uh, not going to change. So it really behooves me to keep my pen consumption and my uh, pen collection a little bit under the radar. (laughs) Like six pens is good. Um, And also, I just like having... A small number of pens that I really enjoy and get a lot of daily use out of. I like having a rotation that's really easy for me to implement. Um, I think if I had many more pens than that, it would be hard for me to choose like, oh my gosh, which pens am I gonna have in the rotation? Like what's going on? Um, so six pens for now is one of my short-term pen aspirations for sure. Um, the other thing, I have two Lamy All-Stars here. Um, and I also am lending a third, so I technically have three Lamy All-Stars, um, it's time for me, uh, to let go of one of these, or two of these, (laughs) and I want to specifically replace them, um, with an E95S, a Pilot E95S, um, it's a pocket fountain pen, it's a little bit smaller, I have, uh... Relatively big hands for my size, but I'm very small, so <laughs> I have kind of small, pens compar- or small hands comparatively. Um, so small pens work really well for me. Um, the E95S is just like from a design, from a, a nib standpoint, like beautiful quality, like amazing quality. From what I've uh, researched and heard about it, you can look up the pen. It's like a very retro style. There's a maroon color. Uh, And also a black, and I love the like red, maroon type of color. It's so 1920s, it's so elegant looking. So, I definitely have that pen as the first one that I'm going to buy uh, in the future. And also, um, this is sort of a like far off goal, but (laughs) maybe also to replace the second Mummy All Star with a. A Lamy Dialogue CC, which is the smaller version, like the mini version of the Lamy Dialogue. The Dialogue, like normal, is a little bit too thick for my hands. I've actually tried them out before, um, but the CC is just perfect um, for my hand size. So going for some pens that are a little bit more like next level in terms of my own pen collection, um, I have, aside from the All-Stars, a Lamy 2000, Lamy Studio, like I, I really love Lamy as you can tell. It's a German brand. Uh, from what I understand, they're made in Heidelberg, um, just across, just across the way from me, and uh, I just have loved that brand. Um, and it was my first fountain pen, like I said. So, I've just kind of expand, expanded in the Lamy brand. <laughs> I also have an Edison Nouveau Premier, um, with this like kind of broad nib that I just adore, and I use it for. A ton of stuff every day. And I also eventually want to get a, an heirloom pen, um, like something I can pass down to my kids if they want it. Um, you know, my kids are obviously not required to have uh, heirloom pens um, whenever I'm passing that on to them, but uh, I think it would be really, really Beautiful to have a pen that's kind of passed down in the family as long as they want it. So, something like a Visconti, a limited edition, something, just something that you know kind of stays at home on the central writing desk, but it's a family pen. So, now it's time for me to penable you to introduce you to the world of fan pens, and I'm gonna recommend a couple pens. I have four on my list here. The first and most obvious is the Lamy All-Star Pen. Um, this is just, I just love this pen. It's a, uh, I always get the medium nibs. I have kind of a round and flat handwriting. And so um, I'm sure that there's pictures of my handwriting on the website somewhere, <laughs> um, but the medium nib fits my handwriting style way better because um, it's just kind of a like blunt sort of handwriting style. The um, typical pen nib for many people is fine, so a lot of people just like a finer pen nib, Um, and that's also equally as wonderful. I've used fine nibs uh, every once in a while, and I also just find them awesome, but for my everyday writing, I prefer medium. Uh, The Lamy LX, I've gifted this pen several times, and it's just such a great starter pen for people. It performs really well. It's kind of the similar style as the Lamy All Star, but it's um, a lot more luxe. As the LX in the name signifies, they're made of metal, and they have this like beautiful like glittery finish on them on the metal. Um, that's something I really love about those pens. They just look sleek. There is also um, a brand called Twisby, T-W-S-B-I, that's very, very popular for starter-founder pens, fun pens. Um, They're also in that like $20 to $30 price range, which is um, really great for people who are just starting out who don't know how much they want to invest in the pens that they're getting. But the Twisby Eco has a piston filler system, and all that means is that it's like super easy (laughs) to fill the pen with different inks that you have. Um, And the Twisby pens also have an extremely large capacity for ink. So this is something that's really great for people who are just starting out, who don't want to clean their pen all the time and, you know, get into all that, like, care and maintenance stuff. They're just trying out the hobby. Twisby is a great place to start. Also, Kaweco is another, like, sort of cheaper pen in this uh, area that works super well. The Kaweco Supra or the Perkyo. Are two great models to try. I really love the like sleekness of the pens um, and the pen bodies. At least of the Perkyo are made of resin, so just, they look really smooth. Um, and it's a great like style for the first pen. Um, also, I've used the Travelers brass fountain pen and ballpoint pen for quite some time. Um, I travel with them. But <laughs> the Travelers company, uh, it's a Japanese company. Um, it is just great um, for people who are on the go who want a very durable pen it's just this little pocket pen made of brass and it uh, once you put the cap on it the body is twice as long um, but they're little pens you know and they're very kind of you know specific for use people who work outdoors um, who do a lot of like hiking and just want a pen um, near them when they're doing that that kind of thing is what the travelers uh, would be for but in any case, especially if you get the other three pens or you're looking for a more intro pen like the Lummi star or the Twisby Eco or the Comeko Supra, you can't really go wrong. So I hope you enjoyed this uh, longer episode of me nerding out about fountain pens. It's been a fun episode to prepare and record. If you have any questions, of course, those can go in the comment section of the show notes at relevanceofliterature.com notes. I hope you enjoyed. I will see you all next week.